0: Welcome to the Denver's I'm Derek and today we have our Chicago correspondent Aaron Davidson joining us on the phone welcome to the podcast Aaron
1: thank you so much
0: so um, from Chicago how do you feel like things are looking in the world of Denver sports right now
1: um, well there's there's some things that I'm excited about some things that I'm not I feel I feel the high of being a Denver sports fan in Chicago that was you know um, the wild card game last year has certainly <laughs> dropped off a little bit, um, dropped off a lot, dropped off a lot.
0: I was at the game last night with my dad and it was painful the whole time. And then Desmond hit that homer and they were tied and then they completely fell apart. And it was in most ways worse than if they would just lost.
1: I agree. I, I, I was lucky enough to start. I started watching last night in the seventh inning. So I, 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 I feel like I got the whole experience just in those three innings right there of what, you know, Rockies are in general. But I think that's the, I, the it, it hurts so much more because of how consistent it has been in terms of one step forward, two steps back. Um, and I think it's you're starting to see that mental to me, as a fan, I'm getting that mental whiplash, and I'm starting to, you know, it's been hard for me mentally, so I can only imagine what it's like for the players.
0: Yeah, and I mean, this weekend was just so crazy with the, you have the, you know, the game Friday, they they won, and then Saturday was the rain delay where the game didn't even start until after 9, it went until on one ten in the morning, which was 12 hours <laughs> before they had to start their game the next day. And then you have the doubleheader. And in the first game of the doubleheader, you give up 19 runs to the Giants and then lose the second game of the doubleheader, which, you know, statistically, you're supposed to split doubleheaders. Like, especially, this has been less true the last, like, 15 years, but it used to be, like, clockwork that most of the time you'd split doubleheaders and you lose both games of the doubleheader. And then you lose last night. I think they're four and... Let me think. They're four and eight in their last 12 at home. And they also got swept by the diamondbacks in there. So on the road. So that's been their, you know, their record. And then the last ten they're two and eight.
1: Yeah, it's not gonna it's, you know, when the summer rolls in, if that's what you're doing, you're you're gonna have a short summer. It's gonna, that's it.
0: One thing that's been so frustrating for me is that if they'd had anywhere near the level of hitting that they had this year, last year, I feel like they would have won the division and, you know, maybe not lost, like it got in swept and not scored more than a run in the, in the divi- not the division, the first series, whatever those yeah, are called. Yeah,
1: I, uh, uh, I 100% agree. Divisional round? Divisional yeah, I guess
0: round. division I think, series, great. yeah.
1: Um, I 100% agree, and I think that's been the frustrating thing too as a fan, you know, especially a fan um, not in the city, not you know, gauging the pulse right there of, you know, course Field bias, whatever, which is its own thing. It's this is a playoff caliber offense that um, that I I think is just even you know getting mentally exhausted at the aspect of. You know a hundred and sixty two game season is you have to have eventually games where you can feel you can relax a little bit and I feel like with with the Rockies thing there's there's been times where you know we've won ten to nine and we've literally been up you know ten to two, but because of what the pitching struggles have been, you can't even relax like it because eventually it becomes ten to nine and I feel like that where of no lead ever being safe enough. Uh, The stress of having to put on as many runs as possible early to even have a chance. I I feel like that is starting to wane on. It's waning on me as a fan. And so I'm imagining it's waning on
0: the players, including the offense, which is good enough. It's at least better than this. Yes, Um, Yes. And I'm sure you've seen this just watching the games from afar, but the way and all of the, the complaining about how the baseball is different, like it's definitely traveling further at Coors Field than it's traveling anywhere else. But even with that, the pitching has just been abysmal. And I think that that like, it's a, it's two problems. The baseball is definitely traveling further. And I think it's traveling further at Coors Field than it is other places because these scores, like these were the scores we grew up with in the nineties before they turned on the humidor. And it's like, they turned off the humidor, but I think it's, mainly just the baseball. And there was a great piece in The Athletic a couple weeks ago. Basically, this whole podcast is just me saying there was a great piece in The Athletic now. I think I did it twice on the last podcast um, about how they were looking at the different balls. And what's this baseball, the laces are thicker. Like, so they go out further on the ball, um, but they're also flatter. And so they think that that's part of the problem is that the ball is so flat that there's no friction when it's going through the air. And that's just a killer at Coors Field, but on yeah, top of that, yeah, already thinner. Yeah, on top of that, though, no one's even locating their pitches because you, you can only hit home runs if the ball is in a place where you can hit home runs, and that's what basically everyone except for Gray has done the last couple of times through. Um, where do you do you see any pitching help? Like, do you see any of these guys turning it around? Um,
1: I think that's kind of my biggest concern of everything is, I, you know, the past couple years, I think the narrative had started to change a little bit in terms of like, you can be a pitcher, uh, you know, I mean, literally Kyle Phelan was fourth in the Cy Young um, last year voting. And arguably, I could say, I think it should have been higher because of the court feels bias not going towards pitchers. But, um, you, you know, you can't make a... The Rockies have decided it's you know to go in the we we develop pitchers, we don't sign them, we don't trade for them. Um, and the thing that I'm scared about what this season has done is why, if I was ever a free agent pitcher, a starter, would I ever want to come to Colorado? Um, and that that's kind of the thing that scares me the most, and I think some of the guys will turn it around can turn it around you know they have while limited track records track records that show that but you it's just baseball is hard you cannot develop a team that is only pitching based on your development eventually you need to trade for something eventually you need to sign somebody they tried signing the relievers and it obviously didn't work out and I think the only way You know, if this trend continues, Colorado will never get people or they will have to overpay such an exorbitant amount that it could be detrimental to building the rest of the team.
0: Well, and we've seen that they had to overpay for their bullpen arms. I mean, the amount of money that they have committed to McGee, Davis and Shaw is crazy. And, you know, last night. McGee was the best of the three. Well, he wasn't really the best of the three. He gave up two hits, but he didn't give up a run. And then Davis came in and completely blew the game in extra innings. He only made it one-third of an inning before Shaw came in. They literally used, I think, almost every pitcher last night in a game where Lambert went six innings and only gave up two runs. Yeah, it's not... uh, You know, do you see any of,
1: like... You know, I guess also the question is, are the Rockies going to be buyers or sellers at the trade market? You know, it's obvious they need pitching help, but um, can they get it? Could you, you know, I was wondering today, of would there be any, anybody that would be interested in taking any of these relievers? You know, that um, I was glancing at their home road splits and they, you know, they are, as they are, most of their road splits are, sub three ERAs, sometimes even less than that um they have big contracts but you think do you think that's something that because i was thinking who would the rockies even sell who who's even that they would get good value for um is that something that you think is worth? you know the pitching's not working anyway do you want to sell some of these relievers and just see what happens
0: yeah, I mean, I think that they should sell them and even be willing to take some of the money. Like if they can, if they can get someone to take Davis, I think they owe him seventeen million dollars next year. If they can get mm-hmm. someone to take him and be like, we'll pay five million of that. Like that's worth it. But do I don't I mean I don't know what the scouts are thinking. And you know, coming out of the All Star break, my concern was that Breidich wasn't going to make trades to try to make this team competitive, but they are. I mean, they're spiraling so far down that if they don't at least go 500 on this next road trip, it's over. Like they cannot compete. Um, and I think that that is so frustrating thinking about value just as people on the team, like they're not going to trade Arenado, So he doesn't, doesn't have value. You mm-hmm. hope that they're not going to trade story just in that. They think they're going to be able to sign him. Um, and then I think Dahl and Tapia are safe. Like, I don't think they'll trade them. I don't think they'll trade McMahon. The only person that I see that actually has value right now is Blackman. Do you Mm -hmm. trade him and just basically say we're giving up on that? And I don't know exactly what his trade value would be considering he's a little older and he does have the contract he has. But right now you look at that and then on the other side, they could probably trade Gray, but that would be a huge mistake. And, you know, I think teams would take Marquez and Freeland, but you can't give up on, that and then no one else really has value other than as a prospect uh, maybe just because he's pitched a, well a couple of times someone would take Chi Chi Gonzalez yeah uh, but yeah it, but again like there's <laughs> there's no one on this roster right now where you feel like they're going to completely change you know there isn't a trade where you're going to get prospects that are going to be great and I think that 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 is so hard and it is really before this weekend. My thought was, is it worth trading for pitching, knowing how bad things are going at Coors Field, or you just wait it out? And now it's turned into, I'm not. I mean, they're turning into sellers so fast. Um, I yeah. mean, I don't know if you looked at the upd- updated wild card standings, but I'm gonna go through them real quick because it's oh so boy. much fun. So, um, in the first wild card spot, Washington is 50 and 43. Um, and Philadelphia is 49 and 46 in the second spot. Then you go down. Milwaukee is 49 and 47. St. Louis is 47 and 46 and Arizona is 48 and 47. And the good news for the Rockies is they've actually moved up in the wild card standings this weekend because other teams have been bad. And that ends the teams above 500 in the national league, along with three division winners. Then the Rockies and, uh, giants are tied at 46 and 49. And then the Pirates and San Diego are tied at 45 and 49. And so all of those teams are still in the wild card conversation. And thanks to the Rockies help, Cincinnati's only 43 and 49. Like they're not, <laughs> the only difference is that they haven't won three more games. They have the same, all of those teams have the same number of losses as the Rockies right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, hearing that, you know, yes, you could say that the glass is half full. Is oh, the Rockies are what three back from the second wild card spot, essentially?
0: Yeah, three games back.
1: Which is obviously like there's no the sky is falling. Like that's obviously attainable. They 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 have had this roller coaster of a season thus far, but realistically thinking about as it's getting hotter in the summer, as which means Coors will be even crazier, potentially. Like, um, yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to see justifying selling, buying, you know, justifying selling some of your top prospects for something in that, in that, you know, that probably won't help.
0: And I mean, at this point, it's hard to trust Breidich to make trades or sign players where you feel like they're making the team better because his history just keeps getting worse and worse. I mean... And I want to talk to you about Daniel Murphy in a second anyway. But the decision to sign Murphy over LeMahieu is just haunting the Rockies so badly. And it's not that Murphy's been bad. Like, he won player of the week last week. It's just LeMahieu's been so good. And Murphy, I don't know if you saw, Murphy came in. I'm sure you did. That last inning, he played second base. He made a great second base play. (laughs) <laughs> just on the one to- the one ball that came to him, he made a great second base play. And you're just like, why are the Rockies trying to fit him into first base when he's clearly not a first baseman? He just looks lost every time he a ball comes to him. Um, there was a play I think in the eighth inning where the ball came to him and he held it up like, "I got it, guys, don't worry." As he was running <laughs> to the base, not even to like warn people that he like he could have held up his glove, but he literally held up the ball. Um. And, I mean, the reliever signings have been bad. They really have brought in almost no one. Reynolds has been their best free agent that they've brought in three times now. And this has been the worst time they've brought him in. But he's played, (laughs) you know, everyday minutes at first base. And I don't understand the Rockies' first base strategy. I don't hear of other teams being like, we have such a hole at first base. We have to throw anyone there. And that's basically been the Rockies' strategy for the last... Three to four years.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, it's hot. like Murphy is, if you just look at, you know, what is it? It was two years, 24 million, I think, what he was signed for. Yeah. Um, Like that by itself is not a bad signing. And he has not been a bad player by any means. But like, you know, also knowing that DJ was also two for 24, like, you wish you could have both of them. You wish you could, you know, if you're going to do bo- I mean, it's pretty crazy to think that, you know, Brian Shaw might be making as much, maybe more, maybe a tiny bit less. You know, McGee and Shaw are making a similar amount to what, you know, DJ got from the Yankees. Like, that's hard. That, that's a tough pill to swallow.
0: And I mean, a lot of people said DJ was the MVP of the American League in the first half. Like it wasn't even like uh like I saw that more than once. Um, so I think yeah, I mean all of that is hard. I wanted to we'll switch gears now. Do you have any more thoughts on the Rockies implosion? Um,
1: you know I I I think I'm I'm still not willing to hundred percent give up. I think i you know once August first comes, I think that that will be the you know, the telltale sign of, will I, will we have a fun August or not? But um, I think more than anything, it has become a mental thing. And um, I don't know if you can mentally dig yourself out of it. I don't know if there's enough time anymore, but we'll have to see.
0: Yeah. And I mean, for me, I mean, there's only three games left in August after they go on this road trip, but so they have three at the Yankees, four at the Nationals, three at the Reds. If they don't go five and five, I mean, I guess they could go four and six, but if they do anything worse than that, it's over before they even come home. Yeah. Um. So so the thing I haven't told you this. Um and I think you will enjoy it, but I have started <laughs> calling Daniel Murphy Star Lord. <laughs> okay. And the reason for this is I don't know if you've noticed this, but he looks a lot like Chris Pratt.
1: Yes. Oh, oh my gosh notice yes he looks like chris pratt during parks and rec like before he got buff
0: yes exactly but the other great thing about it is his mannerisms are just so ridiculous on the field all of the time and for those of who haven't seen any of the guardians of the galaxy star lord is like chris pratt's character is like fake name that he gives himself when he like thinks he's being cool (laughs) and then he isn't the whole time and so I've just started calling him Star-Lord and it's just so much fun to watch him just pretend that Chris Pratt is on the Rockies. And he's just like, <laughs> like, did you see a couple of weeks ago, he missed home plate and then he had to like dive back and grab it. I didn't. Oh, uh, I'll have to find that gif. I would h- highly recommend it to everybody. Um, I'll put it again on my Twitter at some point this week at Derek in Denver. Um, but he just everything he does is just so goofy like they were down four runs last night and he was at second base and he was like trying to corral everybody into position um even though no one cared at that point it was after nolan had made his error like the game was over and he was still just like oh here we go and he just gets so mad when he makes an error and it's just great like that's there are definitely some problems with Daniel Murphy, but being able to watch him on the field and just pretend that he's Chris Pratt has been my favorite part of the season so far.
1: Great. That's good. So that we have that no matter what, we hopefully have this to look forward to for the next couple months.
0: And I did, I don't know if you saw last night, but we have it to look forward to because Brendan Rogers uh, is yep. out for the season. I did see that. <laughs> so uh, no, no, even looking at the top young prospect the rest of the year. So switching to another fun topic, um, Bron- uh, Broncos training camp starts Thursday tomorrow uh, because oh. they're playing the Hall of Fame ga- game. Um, oh, that's right. I know, I know you're a Chicago reporter who is actually just a Denver fan, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> any, any thoughts on, uh, on Vic Fangio coming from being in Chicago as he gets ready to start his first training camp? And you can just say, no, um, I have no thoughts.
1: I mean, I, there's a few thoughts. There, there's not that many. I do know that, like Chicago people, liked him, um, which is hard. And,
0: that isn't yes. like a given. It, you have to earn yes. being liked in Chicago.
1: Um, you know, I I'm interested in knowing what, you know, because I you know even as I as I do a good job paying attention because I like to you know what what the the. Pulse feels like, you know, when I'm away from Denver, um, the Broncos still seem like, you know, not as prevalent as, you know, I grew up them used to being, and they're not as prevalent as they are in my mind. So, I mean, my first question to you is what normally Bron- the of Broncos training camp is, you know, essentially a national state holiday in, in Colorado. Um, does it still feel like that?
0: I mean, I think the really diehards are trying to drum that up again. I think that it's it's just no one really knows what this team's going to be, and I think that that is causing a lot of a lot of people to just step back and be like, "What exactly are we getting?" We don't know the the Joe Flacco thing. It, it hasn't been spoken about like a lot, but I mean, Denver doesn't really like Joe Flacco. He cost the team a trip to the Super Bowl with that one game. And so no one's really that excited about it, but everyone also knows that he's going to be the, the guy. Like, Drew Locke is not going to be the quarterback this year unless the season's over. Um, and that, I think, is worrying people. The thing that I have continued to repeat is, if you think that Vance Joseph cost them two games last year, they were an 8-8 eight and eight team last year. And I, I think that he cost him two games. Like his coaching was bad enough that there were two games they could have won. There were also a couple yeah. of lucky ones like the Pittsburgh game. They shouldn't have won that game. So I'm not saying that there isn't luck both ways, but if you think that Vic Fangio is at least two games better than Vance Joseph, they're an eight and eight team last year. What, what do they look like? And I could see them going anywhere from a three and 13 team to, <laughs> I mean, a 10 and six, I don't really see, but I guess it's possible. And yeah. I just think the fact that there's so much variation in there is, is causing a lot of people to take pause. I mean, um, you know, it's been a weird summer. Pat Bolin passing away was hard for the city. Yeah. Um, I think everyone is sort of in a holding pattern with Elway. Um, the defense, you know, they brought Chris Harris Jr. back for this year, but no one's really exactly sure what that defense looks like. The offensive line is a continual mess still. I, and I mean, the hope is, you know, the rookie receivers from last year are going to develop and Lindsay's going to be able to play as well as he did. And we're going to get something from Royce Freeman. So if all of those things go well, Sanders, is he, is he,
1: what, how is his, his recovery? Is he supposed to start the season or? So he's
0: been posting videos on Instagram. Like he's going to start the season or at least start training camp. But I think there's some thought that if healthy, they may try to trade him. Mm. Um. so i think there's been a lot of pause and i don't know if you if you picked up on this over the last couple of weeks but the anticipation for training camp was so bad that iHeartRadio radio got rid of orange and blue 760 before training camp started which is wow. just unbelievable like they kept it i think last week was the first week where they didn't have any anymore they're creating an all conservative talk station and moving Rush Limbaugh off of KOA, which is crazy. Um, and they're going to try to make KOA kind of the Broncos stop They're They signed Alfred Williams away from the fan and he's going to start an afternoon show. Um, and then Dave Logan's going to be on and Rush Limbaugh's old time slot, which is weird along with Rick Lewis. Um, so they're sort of trying to revamp KOA is the Broncos station, but they had an all Broncos all the time station that they got rid of, which is kind of unheard of considering that the, you know, Super Bowl was three years ago.
1: Yeah. I mean, honestly, that kind of stems to thoughts that I have had myself as a fan, as a sports fan that I wonder if they're, you know, the, to me, the question of football in its kind of generic decline in terms of popularity, even.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, especially our age and younger, like it's hard to think about all the head injuries. And I mean, I think of all of the teams that will be able to survive that it's the Broncos, but it's also just because you don't get to decide to be a Broncos fan in Denver. Like it is part of growing up in Denver, people that we know that don't care at all about sports still care about the Broncos as like a city pride identity. And so from that standpoint, like, the Broncos will be fine. But I do think that, you know, these questions it, it's harder to watch a bad team and also know all of the problems with it. And yeah, I, I mean, yes. I'm... We haven't watched a team that wasn't interesting since 2011, which was t- the Tebow year. I mean, that team was interesting. It was terrible football, but it was interesting. But, yeah. And yeah. I mean, to come into this year and just be like, If they go three and 13, that's not a surprise and the season could be over. Um, It's definitely a possibility. Yeah. I think, you know, uh, the,
1: the, the, I, when you said I can relate a lot to the when football, like it's an interesting thing because I, there's, there's nothing like, you know, the aspect that it's only a 16 game season truly makes every game more meaningful than any of the other professional sports. Um, and that, but to watch a, a bad football team, kind of knowing what we know is hard. It is, re- it has gotten hard for me, you know, if it's good and it's fun, my mind can just, you know, enjoy the athletic accomplishments and, jo- and kind of put that a little bit aside. Um, but it's, it has been getting increasingly hard to watch a, a, when it's not like that. So I I wonder if that will kind of be this topsy-turvy thing in terms of fandom a little bit.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I could definitely see it. And I think that that is one of the real questions that we have going forward with, with football and the Broncos. And I mean, maybe Drew Locke is the answer, but if he's not, the Broncos could be a mediocre to bad team for quite a long time now. And even – I mean,
1: I'm even concerned just of the I, – I remember that they were playing the Hall of Fame game, but I've forgotten you said it, which means they have, what, five preseason games, <laughs> <Yeah>. correct? <laughs>
0: just... I mean,
1: the whole team could be – in you know, that is ter- – that as a fan, you know, parts of me are excited to see young prospects. But, like, the, what the team is going to look like injury-wise by the time the season starts after fi- – I mean w- – the team could be half the starters could be gone.
0: Yeah. Or if not half the starters, half the reserves, just because they've already played five football games. Like, I don't know what their plan (laughs) is with the players, but none of it, none of it is at you know, at peak levels here. And I think, I mean, we, we've been dealing with it and sort of denying that we've been dealing with how bad the quarterbacks have been since Manning retired. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it, it really has been more of an anomaly than the norm where at least you felt like you had a guy since Elway. I mean, you know, for a while people thought Greasy was the guy he wasn't. And then they had Plummer and then they had Cutler and like, just as a franchise, we haven't had long periods of time where we just haven't had a quarterback. And I mean, there's a possibility that Flacco, you know, is the quarterback and then he is bad. And then locks the quarterback and he doesn't work and there's just no end to this. Um I mean they're starting to look, you know, more like the Browns and quarterbacks than they are the Broncos.
1: Yeah, in terms of the, you know, who's at first today. Yeah. Uh or well. they're looking like the Rockies first baseman situation. There yeah. you go. Bring yeah, it there you
0: go. Um well you said first base, so you, you made your point twice. <laughs> <clears throat> um. Well, just because we haven't had you on, this is your first time on the podcast. Um, how are you feeling about the Nuggets? Um, after everything's sort of shaken out over over the summer.
1: Um, you know, it's it's weird to say this out loud to to think that I I think that the sports organization. I would even say maybe even a little bit above the abs, the one that I feel like has the most, at least a plan that you can see what their plan is. And it feels like it has a chance. You might not agree with it, but if it like they feel like weirdly the best run sports organization in Denver right now.
0: Yeah. I mean, to me, I,
1: which is very odd.
0: <laughs> I think you're completely right that, you know, it's, it's the AVs and the nuggets and, you know, Cronkie is just running laps around Breidich and um, Elway as far as how his GMs are doing, um, building young, you know, trusting that process. And then, I mean, you know, the Nuggets continue to have interest in the fact that they got Bull Bull, where he's, you know, a guy that we could be interested in next year. And they didn't even have a first-round pick this year, yeah. and they won't have one next year. And they still made it interesting. Um, which is, is what you want. Um, question for you, did you have any thoughts about Jeremy Grant as a player before he was traded to the Nuggets?
1: It is pretty funny because, you know, like he's traded and everybody's like, he's like, you know, there's efficiency ratings in which he was like the fifth best, you know, power forward in the entire NBA. I kind of, you, this, this is me completely honest. I remembered him only because he had a kind of weird hairstyle, where he had like uh, his he had braids, but they were like a funny kind. Of, they kind of looked like D'Angelo um, uh, Henderson. Yeah. Yes. Mark? No. Um, uh, oh, why can't I? I get the the who was just traded to Golden State.
0: Oh, uh, Russell.
1: Yes, they kind of. It kind of looks. It was a similar hairstyle to that, and I remember. That's kind of more I remember. I remember his changing hairstyle over the years, um, in <laughs> at Oklahoma City more than his level as a player. But I've I've done my research uh, after, and yeah, it seems exciting. But to be honest, I was that was my first thing. I was like, oh yeah, Jeremy Grant, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I knew of him. I I think it must – and I don't know this for sure, but I feel like this must be like uh, Zach Lowe was really high on him and so everyone else got really high on him or something like that. Like I feel like there were smart basketball people that really loved him and so everyone just sort of jumped on the bandwagon. But, you know, I think at least in the ESPN power rankings, it moved the Nuggets into number two as the second-best team. That. And it's just like – it's crazy. I really hope they're right. Like, it's, you know, exactly what they needed because one of the problems at the, in the playoffs was that they had three big guys. They had Millsap, mm-hmm. uh, Plumlee, and Jokic, and Plumlee was basically unplayable the second half of the Trailblazers series. Yeah. Um, and they couldn't play Lyles, they couldn't play Hernan Gomez, and they were just a mess. And this fits in there where they would have four guys now. And Grant can apparently play center sometimes too if he needs to. Um, and you know, they have a lot of big guys like Vanderbilt, um, not in the summer league game that Quinn and I went to, but the other ones oh, had a really yeah. good, uh, you know, he's going to sign, they think they're going to sign, uh, Chonchar and then, you know, you have bull waiting in the wings. So they have guys. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, I'm ready for October. I'm ready to see how the abs look is a little younger and, less experienced team than last year <laughs> and then just see where the nuggets are see who's taking the steps forward and what they look like if they can stay healthy so that's sort of where we are um the other thing that i gotta i gotta get somebody on at some point to talk about the buffs because we just have no idea what's going on with with the football team and that's that's coming oh, yeah, up pretty I fast I
1: have, I have no idea yeah
0: i think their over under was Three and a half, I saw somewhere. Nice. So that's nice. There's a chance that there aren't ten wins between the Broncos and the Buffs this year.
1: (laughs) Well, I guess then this is the win. Who is who has more? I think the Broncos will get more more wins than the Buffs. This is this is my hot take right there.
0: (laughs) How about higher winning percentage though? Because they have they have four more games. Hmm.
1: I think I'm still going to take the Broncos, but that is a little, you know, the, the buffs could, you know, win four out of their first five and then lose all the other ones. And they could still be better than a six and 10 Broncos team. So, that's but true. I'm still like, going to say the Broncos.
0: I mean, that's basically what happened last year. So yeah, Although they might've only won five games. I can't remember. I know I'm trying to forget the whole season last year. Cause it was so bad. Um, well, any, any more thoughts of, from chicago to denver before we let you go
1: um no i'll just say it's it's uh very humid and hot i think tomorrow it's supposed to be 97 degrees and this is not a denver 97 degrees it's gonna feel like it's like 110 it's not gonna cool down at night so just you know please wish me well we're I'm gonna try and sleep i'm pretty sure night.
0: sure uh tomorrow it's gonna be 100 here so you're
1: I would still take a hundred there than ninety-seven here.
0: That humidity is gross. Um, also, I I promised I would do this since this was the only way we could get you on the show. Do you want to promote your your new jazz venture?
1: <laughs> well, okay, ladies and gentlemen. If you're uh, ever in Chicago, um, you know that the this this voice you're hearing does more than just speak nonsense about sports i play piano and sometimes sing and i have a group called treble on the l we're playing uh around chicago you know next gigs next week and um we have a website you can look it up by that name and learn more about us
0: all right well thanks for coming on and uh (laughs) we'll talk to you soon
1: thanks for having me